Oh, good morning. It's so good to be here. Um, Hannah, I just want to cry the whole time now. That was it. I love Joe and Hannah tremendously. I really do. And um, so many good memories together. Well, uh, I was trying to get down here a little bit uh, ago, a couple weeks ago, and I, I came down with a stomach flu. Um, and you, no one wants to know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I broke, I had this record, I have not thrown up for 10 years, which is kind of a, pretty amazing. That's awesome. I had it tracked, the last time I did, I was in Lesotho, which is a small kingdom inside of South Africa, so it was memorable. Um, and I got really, really deathly ill there. So I had this great streak going, and I got this terrible stomach flu, and um, was sick for like six weeks. And I lost 10 pounds, so, uh, and that was not like a diet or anything. That was just I couldn't eat anything but oatmeal and applesauce. So, um, so I wasn't able to get down here. Really, really, really wish I could. I went for this, uh, you know, they do the stomach scope thing or whatever. They knock you out, kind of. They're like, no, you're not going to remember anything. But everyone else around you remembers everything that you do. So my brother drives me to the stomach uh, test or whatever, and apparently I got a, like, a little belligerent with the nurses um, and insisted on going on a bike ride, which is a very odd thing to say, but um, they're like, now, Mr. Ruddy, you're not allowed to drive a car, you're not allowed to go for a walk, and I'm like, I'm going on a bike ride. They're like, no, you're not allowed to go on a bike ride. I was like, no, I'm going on a bike ride, and I'm bringing my brother. And I just started getting louder and louder and louder, I guess, and uh, telling them, I'm going on a bike ride and I'm taking my brother in the middle of winter. So next thing you know, I woke up and, um, man, I'm a lightweight when it comes to those types of uh, medicines. I'm like, just give me the half dose because I'm going to be a wreck for a week. So anyways, um, it's, it's really good to be here and I'm excited um, what the Lord's going to do this morning. I'm so stirred by that. How many people already received like a touch in their body? You felt some sort of presence healing you this morning. Praise God. Uh, If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God this morning. Colossians 1 verse 13. This is Paul the Apostle writing. uh, Colossians, the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, Paul the Apostle's writing this. um, Doesn't grow up necessarily... um, loving the Christian faith. In fact, he's an antagonist. He's a murderer um, trying to stop the church of Jesus Christ. I love that because wherever you're at this morning and whatever your background of religiosity or hatred towards spiritual things, take heart in the fact that one of the key pillars of Christianity was its biggest persecutor. (laughs) That's really good news. So if you're here this morning and not, kind of feel like you're a little bit behind the eight ball or not exactly sure how this whole thing works, I've got good news for you. You don't have to be born a pro. You don't have to wake up one morning and feel like you've got all the answers. As Martin said, you might be feeling like you're thinking like Christianity is a total foreign language to you. That's okay. But Paul writes to us in the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from, would you just say delivered us from, Okay, I feel like I foreclosed on your home. Good morning, that's good. Okay. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to. Say transferred us to. Uh, Notice this this transaction that's taking place. 
that God, he has, not you do. Now, to be very clear, Christianity is not about what you do. It is about what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. It's very different. And you can grow up in church. You can do the, the, the flannel board Sunday school lessons. And you can have all the right answers and still miss the centerpiece of Christianity is that God has done something in human history before you were born, before you got to vote on it, before you got to decide. God just went and did something. It just happened. God decided to do something, and now you and I are waking up in this story that's been unfolding for thousands of years, and what's the story? God delivers people. That's beautiful. It's not like, you don't because like one day you're like, I'm going to really clean myself up and get my act together, and then, you know, God's going to accept me. That actually has little uh, to, to really nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity is not about making you a better person. Uh, you can be a better person without Jesus. And if you don't think so, stop blaming him on how messed up you are. Sorry, okay, praise God. <laughs> you, you don't need Jesus to be better. You just need to set your alarm clock and show up to work on time. Right? There's apps that can help you be a better person. You don't need Jesus. Jesus is not just the better app. He is a savior. He's not a person that just comes along and encourages you as like, like a Christian fortune cookie that's like trying to steer you on and give you a little lift when you're feeling down. The message of Christianity is that God does something. He delivers us. And you and I may not even really be uh, aware of the fact of how delivered we are. So then he goes on, he says, delivers us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, so that when this whole Christianity thing happens, it's not that I just get delivered from something, I'm delivered unto something. In other words, it's not just stopping certain behaviors. Uh, you know, well, you know, now I'm a Christian, I gave up smoking, I gave up this, that, and the other. Again, there's medicine for that there's apps for that uh there's your spouse for that there's a shock collar you can put around your neck to stop certain things but christianity is about entering into a new world a new kingdom so that when you and i become christians jesus redefines money sex and power jesus uh redefines our pursuit after the evolutionary process of food shelter and our genetic future being passed on uh, you know that's kind of what we're all about one way or another. Food, shelter, and our genetic future. Yeah. And Jesus redefines that sort of thing, not by saying that that's not true or that that isn't real. Jesus is saying that there's a different way, a different lens of how we engage with those sorts of things. Money, sex, and power is no longer our ultimate pursuit. He says that now there's a kingdom. Now Jesse talked about last week that the kingdom of God is righteousness. Come on, what? Peace and joy. Now, this is not going to go over good in a postmodern culture, what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it because that's what the Bible says. He's delivered us from darkness unto light. Uh, notice there's no third party option. Notice there's no green party. There's no libertarian kingdom. Praise God. <laughs> like, 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 there's no you know, third party here it's one or the other. Now, listen, this isn't an, an endorsement of politics because watch this. Uh, 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 cause the, you know, Jesus was killed by Rome because he was a king, not because he was going... In, anyways, okay, it's a different story. 
You're either in light or in darkness. Now, wickedness is, is, is generally quite easy to spot. It, I mean, generally speaking, you see a person that's strung out on heroin and we go, you need help and we want to help you. That's generally pretty easy, you know, like to spot when somebody's on the ground about to die and the Narcan comes in and saves their life. We're able to go, okay, that person really needs help. Now, so wickedness, you know, somebody that is abusive verbally, physically, we're able to, most of us, not everyone, because some people that becomes wicked, becomes so normal that we're just, oh, that's just kind of life. I just beat the snot out of whoever when I'm not happy with them. Right? So some of us, wickedness becomes just kind of like, this, just normal, which that's a gross distortion of what life should be, Christian or non-Christian, hear me when I say that. So wickedness, we're like, yeah, 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 we can spot darkness. But Christianity gives us this category that darkness is not just wickedness, but it's self-righteousness. And so it's not just like the unrighteous part of it, but righteousness that's pursued outside of how God defines it is darkness. Now that's kind of crazy. So in other words, your righteousness is not found in a political party, right or left. That would have been a decent time for a head bob. Okay? So I don't care who you voted for or who you unvoted for or who you're resisting or who you're embracing. The goal in this whole thing is that if you think that Republican or Democrat is the light, you're missing out. Jesus is saying you're selling yourself far too short. It's not that certain political parties, one or the other, could not have something that is more upstanding or righteous. Absolutely. But I think we would both agree that both parties, even in our country, are not perfect. Okay, no one agrees with that. That's, that's, this is going to be a really good morning. Okay, praise God. Uh, you're going to love me or hate me or crucify me with that crown. Okay. So righteousness, peace, and joy is what God's kingdom is. But we, if we're not careful, pursue false kingdoms. We pursue opinions. We pursue peace through, you know, and it's not that it's bad, but it's like you can exercise until you're dehydrated. Well, that's not good for you, but you can exercise until you're dehydrated. You can meditate until your brain is a mush and still not have peace. You can seek peace, but without God's peace from his kingdom, you never get it. It's a false picture of a kingdom joy you can get a new job you can get a new spouse you can get a new dog you can get a new house whatever you want and all of those things are good please hear me i'm not a nihilist here i'm not talking about that there's nothing good in life i'm simply saying that false kingdoms if we sell ourselves short on just a better upgraded version and then all we do is trade that in for the new model next year Oh, marriage is this way. And it's like, well, no, no, I'm not really like that. I'm going to trade her in for upgraded model. I'm going to trade him in for the new guy at work. I'm going to upgrade my house to beat out. And it's this constant, is anyone hearing me this morning? So the kingdom of God comes and offers us a different vision. And it's a vision where God defines righteousness, peace, and joy through servanthood rather than triumphalism. So that God comes to show us that it's the weak things of this world that confound the wise, not that we overcome the world by showing how strong we are, but how loving, humble, and serving. God flips this whole thing upside down. It's kind of crazy. The kingdom of God is not just about stopping certain behaviors. So uh, you can be in church your entire life, 
you can drive between the lines and still be a terrible driver. I've always wanted to tell people that. (laughs) Keeping it between the lines doesn't mean, like, the goal of Christianity is not, like, I don't break any. Jesus shows us that Christianity is not about behaviors, it's about motivations. Now, that's, that, that touches all of us, not just, not just me here this morning. That touches every single one of us because you can say the right thing and mean the wrong thing. I'm very lonely here this morning, right? You can say the right thing to your boss, to your spouse, to your child, and mean something in t- incredibly different, the complete opposite even. And Christianity comes to address the motives of our heart, the behaviors of our heart, not just the physical actions. So Jesus says that, now watch this though, because now some of us are starting to go like, oh man, I'm not a very good Christian. Well, join, welcome to the club, you know what I mean? Like, surprise. <laughs> you might not be that good, right? Well, if you're not feeling that, I kind of hope you are, because his standard is so beyond us. But what was the first words we read? He has. So just take a deep breath and relax. The point of Christianity is not like, oh, wow, I'm really bad, like, forget that in christ we're new creations so he has done all of this and here's this crazy thing that when you and i become christians it's not a moral code on a wall that i'm trying to live out to and say i'm going to follow these lines now that he puts his spirit inside of me something's moving around in me and i see a new vision a new possibility of a world around me that i never saw before uh, let me say it like this. How many of you have bought, uh, bought a new car? When I say new, I don't mean new, new car, but just a newer car than you had before. Some of us are kind of, you know what I mean? Before you bought that car, you never saw it on the road. The moment you bought that car, what happened? Everywhere you go, you're like, whoa, they started producing these cars. You know, Toyota never made this model. It's like, dude, it's a 10-year-old car. People have driven that for 10 years. It's, most of them are in the junkyard. That's why I haven't seen them. But So Jesus says in John 3, unless you see the, when you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. In other words, that when you come to Christian, into the Christian world, you're experiencing a new vision of how God's already seen the world all along. And what is that vision? It's not about you. Don't get me wrong, it's not about me either. So until you come into a Christian resurrection experience, in other words, when you realize that God has saved me from my sins, he's delivered me, once you see that, you start looking around, you're going, oh my gosh, this world is not just about my white picket fence and trying to define righteousness, peace, and joy in my own pursuits. I start to realize that all this time I've been chasing after these things and I'm still not satisfied because I'm pursuing a false kingdom. And every time I think, like, my righteousness, I pursue my opinion, I lose all my friends. I pursue my political thing, and every time a person puts up a post on Facebook, boom, I'm going to show them, you're wrong, here's the facts, here's the alternative facts. Right? And those are alternative facts, of facts that have alternative, all of alternative facts. And look, here's righteousness. We win the day, right? And then when you win the day, what happens? You lose everybody. Oh, to God, that you'd give up your stupid political commentary and be a Christian witness. Both sides. Please hear me. Is it really worth it that we, did Jesus die and save us so we could be political commentators? Heavy stuff, okay. He delivered us from the domain of darkness so that I could critique the American political system. Praise God. No, 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 no. Those are false 
Do we need to work towards better governments? Absolutely. Do we need to work towards those things in civil discourse? Absolutely. That got loud. Do we need to do those? Absolutely. But as Christians, we have to understand that the fullness is not found in a political party. It's found in a real version of a kingdom. Now, okay, moving on here. Uh, I've been preaching for an hour and a half. Can you believe that? It's not true. Okay. Um, so Jesus redefines money, sex, power, food, shelter, genetic future. He, he redefines those things by showing us a picture of the kingdom of light. And once I see light, I start to realize, oh my gosh, those are lesser versions. It doesn't really work. It leaves people kind of going like, it almost works, but in the end it causes more division than unity. My pursuit of money, my pursuit of power, my pursuit of sex only in the end benefits me. And if my Christian life is just simply Jesus being my encourager as I pursue money, sex, and power, he's not my Lord and Savior. If Jesus is just the person that comes and clears our conscience when we kind of have a bad day, I don't care if we've been in church since the time we've been young and we'll die in church, it doesn't make us Christians. Jesus is not your encourager as you pursue money, sex, and power. That, he's just not. You might have made him that. He's not. So Jesus comes with this alternate view. Now, here's this beautiful thing. See, when you and I become Christians, we're born into a kingdom. Jesus describes this in John chapter 3 as being born again, in the air quotes, Okay? And when we're born again, the only way Jesus can say this is he's saying, imagine you're living your life and one moment, one experience, one time, one kairos moment, you are birthed. That's an inside joke for him, for Jesse. (laughs) One moment in time, you experience something that the only way you can say it is I wasn't alive until I had this experience. My life before that, I was just kind of like a zombie. Now, we, we have some of these sorts of things like when you, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a super, 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 super diluted way, but when you meet that person that you fall in love with, oh my gosh, I wasn't alive until I met her. I mean, that wasn't supposed to be a joke. <laughs> There, is, there should be a part of that that is exciting to you. But uh, I would hope. Everyone's like, no, we're not really, we just, we're both lonely. We figured to get together. Um, okay. I mean, <laughs> all right, if that's what marriage is. That's not what it should be, but okay. So, so when you have an experience, though, and once you had that, uh, you see this uh, recently with people that, um, don't, like, that don't work out, that don't have any... Um, aptitude towards fitness or anything like that and then they fall in love with working out and then they're like on cloud nine you know what i'm talking about and it's like they're it's like they've literally been born again sometimes it's a little annoying when all you do is get facebook invites to parties okay i'm kidding but you know what i'm saying they they experience something and they've they look back and they go like i'm a different person i've been born again within time and space So Jesus tells us that we've been delivered from darkness unto light. Now, please hear me. That means that you and I are not working towards the kingdom of God. We are working from the kingdom of God to here. Very different. Some of us have have grown up or have picked up uh, even subconsciously 
in these philosophies that basically I'm supposed to come to church, be a good Christian, do my best, try to pray, try to read my Bible, you know, just get to church every Sunday. And if I do these things, then someday I'll get to go to heaven and then everything just kind of pans out. And that's not how God defines Christianity. Jesus doesn't come to bring us to heaven. He comes to bring heaven to earth. So when Jesus is talking kingdom, he's saying, when I come here, I'm actually trying to make a visible change on the earth. So when people interact with the church, you and I, they shouldn't look at us as everybody else pursuing money, sex, and power, food, shelter, and genetic future, and just go like, oh, so when things go bad, Jesus is the one that lifts you up, because everybody struggles in their pursuit of money, sex, and power. Not just you and the person beside you. Every one of us. So what happens, though, is that people look at us and start to go, wait, 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 you've experienced something of a different world. Interestingly, in Philippians, the book of Philippians, you don't have to turn there. If you want to, you're welcome to. But Paul says, he calls us citizens of heaven. Now, Philippi, the city in the first century, is a Roman colony. The way that Rome would expand was not just through military might. In fact, during the Pax Romana, it was basically just, we're Rome and you're not. And they sure did let their insurrectionists know, but they would send groups of people, often soldiers, and they would send them into a new land and basically say, live as Rome, talk as Romans, be Romans in a foreign country until your culture, because we have a superior culture, the way we do finances and economics and family and government, if you just show up and do that, let that begin to infiltrate in the culture around you until that takes over. Not simply by coming and saying, we're Rome, and if you don't turn, we're going to kill you, which is interesting that that's sometimes the religious and I'm not talking about ISIS. I'm talking about the way that Christians do it. Turn or burn. Right? Join us or else you're this. And that's not how the kingdom of God comes. It's not through this military force. It's that God plants us in a place. And I start living and talking like a Christian. That doesn't mean being goofy. All right? living a Christian life where people start to realize, wait, 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 your pursuit of money, sex, and power, food, shelter, and a genetic future is far different than the person beside you. Why are you not so swayed like as everybody else? Why are you not trying to constantly upgrade your car and your spouse? What is this? And that kingdom begins to spread. Why? Because we're not working to a kingdom to get there. We're already in it. We're already there working from okay boring you one last passage luke chapter 11 is everyone still awake alive okay luke 11 i'll calm down be much more serious if that will help any of us this morning okay luke 11 so jesus is uh casting out a demon I'm so glad that God has power over darkness. Let me just remind you, we live in a, a world of conflicting kingdoms uh, where light and darkness are coming up against one another, but God is not, uh, it's not a wrestling match. It's just not a wrestling match. So Jesus is casting out a demon. Some of the religious leaders come and say to him, 
you know how he casts out demons? He casts them out by Beelzebub. Isn't that a great name for your dog? <laughs> he casts out demons by Beelzebub, right? The Lord of the flies, this demonic prince. That, And Jesus looks back at him and says, well, if I cast out demons, I love this. If I cast out demons by the finger or by Beelzebub, then who do your sons cast them out by? <laughs> that's just like Jesus, in other words, saying like, I'm the one that's doing something. You don't have any power. And that just kind of like, hold on, what? So then they start fighting with him a little bit. And Jesus says this thing that Abraham Lincoln uh, misapplied in a terrible context, but a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, Right? He goes on and says, a kingdom divided itself against sand. If I'm casting out by darkness, what he goes, and he says this, he starts to tell this little mini parable, verse 24. This is kind of interesting now. This is the Bible. This is what has been passed down for 2,000 years. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. Now the demon is out Seeking what? Seeking rest. And when it comes, the demon comes back to its house. It finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil in itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. I want you to notice two things about this passage. Number one, that you can be swept clean and put in order and still miss the point of the Christian life. I don't know if you've ever been to a church and listen, I know you're kind of like, I really wish you wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have said a few things this morning. Believe me, I've already, I regret a lot of things I've already said. But you can go to a place that's swept clean and put in order. Have you ever been to a person's house that's swept clean and put in order? I mean, like, no, 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 you got to catch me here. So, like, it's, it's uncomfortable when you walk in the house because it's swept clean and put in order? I've been in houses where it's uncomfortable because it's dirty, but have you ever been in a house when it's uncomfortable because it's so clean? And you walk in, not because it's clean, you're like, oh, wow, it really looks nice, but this is the first thing they say. Oh, all the time. You, you know it. Maybe you're sitting here. I don't know. The moment the door, I'm so sorry, the place is a mess. And what, what do I have to do in that situation? I'm like, no, 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 I understand. Yeah, no, I understand. Cleaning crew clearly only had eight hours instead of 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You walk in the house and it's like, or when you get in somebody's car and they're like, I'm so sorry, it's dirty. And you're like, yeah, me too. Yeah, I feel really bad about this. Right? See, swept clean in order, you can be swept clean in order and not have life in the house. Have you ever been in a house with small children running around? Okay, praise God. (laughs) Swept clean and put in order is almost impossible. Because once you put the thing in order, once you baby-proof it, they unbaby-proof the house. See, some of us come into this Christian world thinking that the goal is to be swept clean and put in order. If I can just get everything together and tidy, if I can stop these behaviors. But what happens is you have a house and you've got all the windows pushed down and it's swept clean and put in order, but there's so much dust, you could pull your finger and go, everything looks good, but there's no life. And Jesus defines this is the state of a person who's about to be attacked by a demonic force. That's kind of crazy. 
So the goal is not swept clean and put in order. Then he goes on and says this, what? That the goal of Christianity is not to be empty, but I would suggest to be full. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. That's crazy. You know, sometimes you can get around religious people and they were better when they were pagans. (laughs) Praise God. They were better when they were pagans. They were better when they had no framework for anything religious, no framework for anything spiritual. They were good, decent people. They definitely didn't have it all together, but they were decent. Then they come in, they get infected with religion, not with Christianity, not with Jesus, not with Holy Spirit life and joy. No, they get infected with just principles and methodologies. And what do they do? They take their false view of a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy and shove it down someone's throat. That's kind of crazy. And Jesus comes to tell us, no, 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 no. Swept clean and put in order is not the goal of Christianity this morning. I closed my Bible. I know those who are watching perceive that, so it's coming to an end. The goal, the goal of this whole thing is not so that you can be a better person. Listen, please, set your alarm clock. Eat breakfast. It does wonders for your attitude. Like if that's all the goal here is just to like, no, 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 what is the goal? The goal is that you and I, while driving through Scranton right now, are in a different world. So when you hit that pothole that is the size of, of a national state park would actually, in most states, would build up a memorial to that pothole. Although your car bottomed out and you have to get it repaired now, what are we doing? We are not working towards the kingdom. We're working from it. So what I'm trying to say is that money, sex, and power, and all of these food and shelter and genetic future, all of those pursuits no longer become the aim just for me, myself, and I. Now Christianity gives me a picture that I'm part of what? kingdom now it's not just about me myself and i it's not about jesus and me in my bedroom it's not jesus and me making me feel good when I do. No, now i'm part of a kingdom now i start to realize that there's a communal aspect to this and that there is real darkness there is real darkness that we're coming in confrontation to and then there's also unfortunately real self-righteousness which is just as big of a threat And you and I, once you see the kingdom, wow. Once you see this thing, I promise you, you can't unsee it. How many people have seen a little glimpse and you're going, oh man, I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked. I don't know what it's all about, but I'm wrecked because I saw a little piece and now I'm going, "Uh uh-oh, what? I'm not just allowed to, huh? Now God starts to come and says, no, 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 don't go through that door. Look, it's this. It's this promotion. The Holy Spirit's like, no, it's not you. And you're like, hold on, what? Look at this relationship. It's perfect. Everything's great. And then you realize you're like, oh man, this doesn't honor Jesus. Don't look at that person beside you right now. Praise God. Just remain very still and focused. Stiff-necked. You stiff-necked people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of, sort of, but I'm actually being serious. Right? Once you see the kingdom, you start to realize, but, but it's not just like, oh, if I do these things, then God will love me. No, he's already done it. And you start to taste. How many people have tasted of true peace in Jesus? 
Oh my gosh. True peace. How many people experience true joy? Where you're like, this works. Like, this is, this is real. This isn't just like some imaginary thing. You're like, this is joy, as Peter would say, unspeakable and full of glory. And you're like, this is life. This is real. Like, I sit down with my wife and I'm not constantly looking for an upgrade. And I don't have to constantly swipe left or right or up and down. I don't even know which way to swipe. I've experienced righteousness to the point where God delivers me from self-righteousness. Where when I'm in the room, it's not my opinions better than yours. And you start to realize, like, wow, maybe we can actually work towards common good here because I'm not trying to win an argument. You start to go, wait. He frees me from my own idolatry of myself. That's really good news. Would you stand with me this morning? If that was the greatest message you've ever heard, thank you so much. That's uh, for those that are sitting. I'll do better next time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, could the worship team come this morning? I know um, if you have to leave, um, you know, you're welcome to slip out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, oh. righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's not sell ourselves short of a false kingdom. Have you ever done that, anyone? You just look at it and you're like, man, it's amazing that like you can include Jesus in that story and not even realize it. So like your prayer life, there's, let me say it like this, there's an issue with our prayer lives if the only people it benefits is ourselves. Think about that for a moment. If the only person that benefits from our prayer life is ourselves. I don't know about you, that convicts me. Because my prayer life is primarily about what's going on with me. And the kingdom's about coming into something bigger than us. I want to sing that song. You did a fantastic job. Could you sing that song for us, that dry bones coming alive with dead, dead hearts and things with things? Amen. Amen. Listen, can we... Um, can we just lift our hands to the Lord? If you're, if you're uncomfortable with that, I, they don't, you, there's no pressure. But the Bible tells us we lift our hands to pray. It does. In fact, the book of Psalms talks about we lift up our hands in worship. And just what I want you to do, if you can, if this message impacted you in any way, is just take a moment and just ask for the Holy Spirit's help. You, listen, you don't have to do everything. Oh, man. I'm so selfish, I'm so this, I gotta figure it out, I gotta do all this on my own today. How am I, no, 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 no. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, come into me. Fill me with your vision of the kingdom. Just fill me. And the the hands is just a sign of release, a sign of asking, Jesus, give me your righteousness, give me your peace, give me your joy. And and as we do this, just begin to pray to him right now. Don't wait till the music starts. Just offer a, a prayer to him, Lord. We need you this morning. We need you. We need a kingdom that's bigger than ourselves. We need a kingdom that's bigger than our address, bigger than our social security number, bigger than our last name, our family members. We need a kingdom that's different than our race, that's different than our gender, that's different than our appearance, that's different than our economic background. Come on, if the only people that we benefit is ourselves, 
we're missing something here. Just ask him, Jesus, I want to see just a glimpse. I want to see just a glimpse of your kingdom this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together as we close this morning. And and just pray this over the city. Pray it over the people that you don't like. Right? Pray it over the demonic Democrats and the demonic Republicans this morning. Just, Just pray over those demonic libertarians and demonic Green Party. No, let's, let's, let's pray for a kingdom that's bigger than any party that loves and rejoices a city. Amen. Let's worship as we close.